Hey Buddha Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show, where we invite e-commerce entrepreneurs, marketers, and agencies to talk about e-commerce, the best strategies and tactics, and what to implement in your own e-com store. Before we jump into this episode, I ask you to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. And now let's jump into the episode. Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a new episode of our e-commerce podcast and today I'm here with Yong Su Chang and uh, he's the founder of Urban EDC and uh, Urban EDC is a company that helps uh, people with uh, different tools in their daily lives, mostly knives and uh, if you check their website you can see these are Uh, I would say more high ticket knives. So very interesting product, very interesting niche. And uh, we will talk about this today and even more. It's good to have you here. How are you? I'm fantastic, Daniel. Thanks so much for having me on. So let's start with the with the origins of this brand. I know that uh, this is a fully bootstrapped company. Mm-hmm. And uh, you started this around seven years ago. And... Uh, with not much money to invest into this and uh, how this idea came you know to your mind and uh, was it your first business at all back then yeah so it's i guess technically my not my first business but i've had a lot of failed attempts um mm-hmm. so i was working in new york after graduating from college in 2009 and i had a few side hustles going at the time i wanted to build uh an iPhone app and this is right when the app mm. economy was booming on the iPhone. Yeah. And um that you know that didn't pan out and then I moved to San Francisco uh from New York City in 2011 and um worked at a few startups and then uh in 2015 October 2015 is when I launched Urban EDC. Um and it's so funny because I wanted to launch an e-commerce shop but um I actually made a big mistake, which I don't talk about very often. So uh, I can talk about it now, which is um, I, I bought a bunch of these like uh, headphones, which, you, you know, now people don't even use the, you know, the corded headphones anymore. But um, but I bought a bunch of them and I was going to be a wholesale retailer mm-hmm. and um, I bought them and no one was buying it. I was going to do it at Amazon uh, and no one was buying any of these. And so um I had to be creative and think about ways to find a channel to, um, you know, sell this through. And so um, I was looking at, you know, things that I was buying on a regular basis, uh, like my credit card statements. And uh, I realized that I was buying a lot of these like well-machined titanium pens and these like pocket desktop toys. Mm -hmm. And uh, just felt like this was an area that I I could dig a little further uh, into for for myself. And so decided to, um, you know, get into this everyday carry community. And so for those of you who don't know, everyday carry stands for, uh, well, it stands for EDC stands for everyday carry and it's stuff that you carry on a normal basis, like your wallet, a watch, pen, uh, a pry bar, uh, a flashlight, a pocket knife. And, um, there was a really strong community here, but no shop that really catered towards the community specifically. There were a lot of like, you can buy things off of Amazon if you wanted to, but nothing that really spoke to the community. And I thought that there was an opportunity there. So 
Um, and I also had these headphones that I had to sell through. So um, I thought that um, perhaps I could create this channel uh, using Shopify to build a brand and then sell through the, the headphones through there. And so, uh, so Urbane EC was launched, which had the headphones on. And then I actually also just bought stuff off of Amazon um, to test demand for it. And so I wasn't making any money, obviously. I was just reselling it at the cost that I, I bought it from. But I wanted to just test the test the concept first with people to see if, uh, you know, um, you know, there will be demand for this type of store, a boutique store that specialized in this kind of gear. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and there was demand for it. So I kept, you know, bringing in new products and it's just evolved, um, you know, since, since October, 2015 to what it is today. Yeah. Almost five, uh, sorry, almost eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it sounds like you did the mistake that you bought up a lot of products first and yes. then tried to get rid of it, right? You tried to sell it. And yeah, I, I, I really know that. Uh, I think that's a common thing that many people starting out in e-commerce, they do that. Yeah. I think Bill Gates said that first you have to sell and after you will just figure out what you actually sold. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a pretty common mistake because I, you know, you get, you're optimistic. You're like, oh yeah, I can sell through these. No problem. Yeah. And then you realize that it's, it's not easy. So. Yeah. yeah and I think uh, it's just uh, common sense that first you need to have the product to sell it, but the market works differently. So right. we all, we all uh, learned that. And how did you sell these products initially? So you used Amazon, you used something else back in 15, 16. Oh no! So we, um, I uh, started a Shopify site uh, right after my, my the experience I had with my headphones. I decided, mm -hmm. hey, because I felt like the market was shifting from Amazon FBA to building your yeah. own brand, and so I, I wanted to get ahead of that. So I actually decided not to sell on Amazon and then mm -hmm. uh, just sell directly on my website. And so, um, yeah, that was. Uh, I should mention that I also built the following on Instagram. So basically the way I started to get my audience going was to um, repost really high quality photos of other people's gear. And so the way that the EDC community kind of like shares their gear is that they post it on Instagram. And this is back in, you know, seven, eight years ago, but they would post their gear on Instagram and then tag the makers on the posts. But sometimes they wouldn't tag the makers. It would just be like a, you know, a, a um, a really enticing post, but no real description. And so what I did was I would find all the really cool looking gear and then repost it, giving credit to the original poster, but then I would tag all the makers on there. And so the followers saw that and, you know, they're curious about all the, uh, all this gear. And so they, the, the little bit of value that I provided was that they were able to know like who is making this and, and be able to, to purchase it. Right. So, uh, I was able to gain about 10,000 followers on Instagram before I launched um, Urban EDC. And so that was kind of my, my jumping off point from, um, you know, from having no audience to having a little bit of an audience. Uh, but then I quickly realized that uh, the audience, they were following me for the content and not necessarily to buy from me. And so actually when I launched Urban EDC, I sent out my first newsletter and it was like, crickets for the first you know three days no sales and i was like just wondering just doubting myself like hey am i really you know ten thousand people you know i felt, I felt like that was enough to at least get, get one sale and it was definitely not enough um mm -hmm. but you know i learned through that and got, I got through it and um yeah it was a good lesson that your audience doesn't necessarily translate into actual customers 
How did you get those subscribers? I'm curious now. Oh, the uh, the followers on Instagram? Uh, you Because you said you sent out an email campaign, right? Oh, right, right. So from the 10,000 um, followers, I had a sign up link in my bio. And so mm. I was able to get a few people to sign up um, to join my uh, my emailing list. Mm. And um, yeah, it was like, it wasn't that many, probably less than a thousand at that yeah. point. Uh, but that it would was be my bet as well, like a few hundred, few percent yeah, a few conversion. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, you know, that is the saying, uh, that if you have 1000 true fans, that it's more than enough, you can make a great living. And, uh, yeah, if you are very hardcore fans, but I know it's not that easy now I'm checking your Instagram, you have almost uh, 200,000 uh, followers. So you did a ton it's of growing. things there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are also on other channels. You have a YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest. So you are everywhere on social. Yes. Um, can you tell me more about how you build up this, uh, this community, this audience? Yeah, absolutely. So the community is something that, that is really, um, important for us. And so, uh, you know, you meet people online, you, you, you engage with them on, on DMS or just commenting on the post and then, um, there's a lot of trade shows in this in, in the community in the, in the knife and EDC community, and so when we go to these shows, I mean, there's literally people that will come up and say, "Hey, like, are you you know so and so from Urban EDC?" And that's like a really cool feeling to put a face to people behind their you know their handles, Instagram handles or whatever, right? So um, yeah, so we would go to these trade shows, meet these people, and then just have a conversation and deepen that relationship. Um, and so for us, there's really two types of relationships. One is the relationship with a consumer, you know, mm-hmm. the potential customer, but then also relationships with, uh, makers. So people who design yeah. products. And so it's actually quite common that, uh, an enthusiast would become a maker after oh, learning. Really? Right. It's pretty common in this community just cause like, it's just really cool to see, you know, something that they designed. And so they learn from others who are ahead of them and then they become makers themselves. And so, um, yeah, there's two sets of the, 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 the people in the community and we did, we, we, we built relationships with both types of, um, community, I guess, members. And so, um, with the maker side, what we did was we started getting the relationship going and then eventually, you know, we could do, um, collaborations with them. And so they have their own audiences, these makers. And so they could share, uh, what we did, uh, with them to their audience and that kind of brought their audience over to us. Um, and then obviously deepening the relationship with the customers, um, mm-hmm. that helps a lot with, uh, retain retention and just, um, you know, I mean, our retention is really, really high. We have a lot of repeat buyers and it's, I just feel like that is a testament to the deepening relationship we have with the customers because, um, we actually got banned on, on Facebook ads and Instagram pretty early. And so we, mm-hmm. we don't do any Facebook ads and we, we did very early on, but then we got banned. Uh, and so, um, I feel like that transactional conversion is very, um, it, it's a very shallow way to build an audience or build customers. And so the way that we did it through the community, it, it allow, allowed us to, once we get the relationship with the customer, then we can deepen it. And, you know, the, the LTV, the lifetime value of each customer is way longer for us, um, because it's, um, you know, the, the, the relationships are so much deeper. Yeah. Yeah. You said so many things I want to ask more about. So, um, 
it's very interesting that people who buy from you they become makers and uh, mm. has this never uh, made your relationship competitive in a bad way with them like i mean they want to sell their products i guess mm-hmm. and uh yeah what, what's, what's yeah that? uh so sometimes it it well so the values have to align so obviously like you know they're making their gear and they want to sell as well to their audience um but then they might look at us as another distribution channel or they might just think that oh it's really cool to be associated with this brand because mm-hmm. this brand is now like a cool brand right so um whatever that value is for them um they you know it, it's 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 all about value alignment right so um for us it's obviously we want to sell their gear and also give them exposure and so mm-hmm. it's kind of a mutual you know two-way street there and we haven't found that we're really competing with each other and we I, the general idea for me is like it there's really not competition it's it's everyone can kind of rise together um it's about kind of finding the right people at the right times to uh lift each other up um so yeah that's kind of how, how i approach approach it yeah yeah i think if you and your makers your partners have the same mindset collaborative mindset not competitive then uh that's better for everyone. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the other thing is Facebook ads. So you got banned quite early. And ha- yeah, so back then, was it a very important channel for you or it's never been important? Even at the at those years, in those years, uh, yeah. the community was the main focus and how you got um, people. And also, I'm curious about other channels like SEO, Google Ads, anything sure. else. So... In the early stages, it was just me, and I was taking the photos. I was writing up the product descriptions. It was a lot of work for me, and so I I wasn't able to attend a lot of these um, trade shows. Right, so mm-hmm. I'd say the community piece kind of came after all this. But um, early on, I did rely a lot on Facebook ads um, just to build traffic and all that. And um, yeah, when the Facebook ban happened, uh, we our sales dropped like 40 percent you know, month over month, yeah. which is pretty significant. And so the lesson that I learned there is uh, even though Facebook was working really well for us, uh, I didn't, we shouldn't rely on one growth channel because it can be taken away from you uh, really quickly. And especially a channel that is on another platform. So, um, you know, importance of email list is, is you know, I can't stress that more. And, um, you know, it's so important to build your emailing list. Um, and, um, yeah, when we got banned, it was like we had to scramble to make up for that um, that growth. And so that's kind of when we doubled down on the community right around that time. And mm-hmm. so we've just been leveraging community ever since then as kind of our, our, our main growth um, channel. And other things that we're doing. So Google, we actually haven't done as um, at all. We, we actually just started working with um, an agency for Google Shopping. So we'll see how how that goes. Um, that's kind of to be determined in terms of its effectiveness. Um, and yeah, I mean, nothing, I just, I guess, organic socials. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's about it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, it sounds like a story where you had a big, you know, um, 
there, there was a, it was a big issue when you lost your account with Facebook, but in the long run, you could make a strength out of it because you could focus more on the community, more organic resources. And as you said earlier, it's a better way of conversion. And those people are more enthusiastic. Most likely their lifetime value is also longer. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. Um, talking about loyalty. So I found your uh, loyalty program on the website. Yes. yes. And you have many VIP tiers. And I, I will just read it out loud. So the lowest uh, VIP tier is a stainless status with $5,000 lifetime spend minimum. And the biggest, I love the name, the meteorite status, where the lifetime spend is over uh, 37.5K, so almost $40,000. And I just wonder if, uh, how many people you have on this? Like, uh, yeah, I'm just curious. You you would be surprised. We we have a lot of people on the lower end of that. So Mm -hmm. 5,000, 6,000, I mean, up to like 10,000. Um, the third, that highest tier, I think we only have about two, three people on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's still crazy. It's like a, you know, it's like a car purchase that they've yeah. spent over, you know, many yeah. years with us. And that's kind of like the lifetime value, the loyalty that, that we were talking about earlier is, um, you know, these folks just love each week we, we drop new gear and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been I'm just like really grateful for for those customers and um yeah yeah the, the you basically you level up with each tier so there's like a points multiplier so once you you know the the, the next tier is like 1.1 x mm-hmm. points for each purchase and then the next tier is like 1.2 and so you get up to i think the meteorite is like 2x mm-hmm. uh points spent so um you, you kind of level up as you go higher and if i'm uh very high level on this, on you know, on this pack or this loyalty program. Uh, what benefits can I get? Free products or what are the benefits? Yes. Yeah, so the main one is early access to your gear drops. So the way that we operate is every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific time, we always drop our newest gear on mm-hmm. the website, and we hype it up during the week. So on Mondays, we send out an email saying, "Hey, um, you know, we got all this." really awesome stuff coming on Wednesday. So you might want to set your alarms and we have people setting alarm clocks to try to get some of this gear. Cause it's, so, it's, it sells out really fast. Some, some of the stuff that we drop. So, mm-hmm. um, so each Wednesday we, you know, people have to frantically log in and buy it and, and, um, reaching that $5,000 uh, tier allows people to have 24 hour early access to the gear drops. So they don't have to scramble to try to, get in early and all, all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, that's probably the, the main perk of that. Um, and then we also like to send out emails just to get feedback about, you know, products and, and things yeah. like that. So, yeah, I love those emails where you send out a question, a survey and people reply and you can get a ton of feedback. And also it really pulls up the, the engagement of your email list and uh, so even technically, it's, it's good, high operate, high click rate, and then right. your inbox rate is higher. So all the good things. And uh, what I what we usually do with a few of our clients, we get this uh, feedback, and then we send them out the next week to the whole email list. So people see how happy people they are. And uh, if, if they mention products, we link them into the reviews. So people, they, you know, people are curious, they click the link and they go to the product page and we have a lot of purchases from these. And it's not a sales email, it's just reviews, 
opinions and people actually buy from those. So right, uh, that's great. Hey Budai Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show. I ask you to subscribe to this podcast and if you like it, make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. I hope we can serve our audience in the best way. And now let's jump into the episode. It's very interesting, you know, because the products, uh, they are definitely not cheap. So I can see knives and pens for two, three hundred dollars. But somebody buys at least a hundred of them if they are yeah. close to 40, 40K lifetime value. So that's something amazing. Um, yeah. What, what, so um, thinking back um, in the past seven, eight years, what was the hardest moment for you as a business owner? Yeah, um, I would honestly say that um, it's there, I don't remember any like one specific event and I don't think there is one specific event. It's just more of like stepping stones. And so mm-hmm. each phase of the business has its challenges. And so um, the one takeaway that I've learned is that, um, you know, when you're small, you think that as you grow, your problems are going to get resolved and that you won't have problems. But in reality, what happens is the problems actually get bigger. (laughs) And so it gets magnified, right? So um, the problems will come find you, right? You can't avoid them. It'll just happen. It's part of uh, running a business. Uh, But if your problems are getting bigger, that's actually a good sign because that tells you that you're growing as an entrepreneur, as a person. And so you, you want your problems to get bigger. Um, obviously you don't want those problems, but they're going to come up anyways. And so, uh, they're unavoidable. So, um, for me, I've just seen these challenges, um, you know, as kind of, um, something to just get over. And then there's like, you kind of like go to the next level almost. Right. And then when you're there, you kind of, you're there for a while and then you break through to the next level and then you just keep going like that. And, And that's kind of the way I approach just business as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious, what are your favorite tools, software tools that you use in your business? If you could mention three, what you yeah, absolutely really like. Um, so Clavio is a big one for us. So I know mm-hmm. you guys are um, well familiar with Clavio, the email marketing software. Um, we have really robust sequences set up. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have a welcome series. We have uh, abandoned carts. But then we also have things like, um, I guess, time time to buy series. So Clavio can predict when you should be buying something. And so we'll send out emails right around that time. Uh, we also have like a, a win back series. So it'll be the time to buy sequence those days plus an, another additional 30 days because that tells us mm-hmm. that they haven't purchased for, for yeah. the 30 days. So um, we have that going. Um, we have a uh, browse abandonment campaign. So if someone looks at a product on the website and leaves, we'll send them an email later on. Um, so yeah, Clavio has been absolutely huge for us. I think we get like 30 to 40% of our, 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 our sales through the email mm-hmm. and we, we really push our email. So you'll see, like we have a pop-up on the website and it's like a gamified. Uh, and so our conversion rate is pretty high on that, like 7%. Um, mm-hmm. and so we, we really want to get people on the email cause we know we have a really robust email sequence. Um, and so that's a big, big, uh, lever for us. Um, we also use notion to organize everything. And so all of our 
standard operating procedures. Um, like we have a team of five people, so they, they all look at that notion document to make sure that, you know, it's kind of like all the information is there. And so we mm -hmm. don't have to, um, scramble different Google sheets or whatever to, to find yeah. it. And then, uh, I'd say another important one is, uh, Slack, which obviously a lot of people are familiar with, but that's just internal communications and all the announcements as your team grows, your communication gets harder and harder. Yeah. And we found that, um, you know, Slack's really good at that. So, yeah. Do you prefer notion to Google docs or Google drive in general? Yeah, I think it's easier to have everything in one place. Google sheets or Google mm -hmm. drive. I feel like is a little bit, um, it's good for, I guess, consolidating into one area, but then it's not good for adding context to what each thing is. It's just, you can sort it by like last modified or whatever, but it's not good at like showing the data in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah. 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 So let's talk about retention a bit more because, uh, you said 30, 40% from email, you have a very high returning customer rate, life, high time, uh, lifetime value as well. And, uh, I wonder what, what you think, what's, what are the keys to achieve these? For yeah. 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 I really think it comes down to building trust with each customer. And mm -hmm. so we really take care the entire customer journey. So how they find out about us. So they probably see us on Instagram or some other social channels. Um, and then they'll come on the website and we want to make sure they have a great experience. So we have a little gamified experience for the email. And then when the email comes in, we have a really robust and not annoying email sequence mm -hmm. that um, gives them essentially a, a gift. And that gift can simply be just like a gift, a free gift card to get them introduced to our loyalty program. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, we have, we really think about that customer journey. Uh, and so once they purchase, we have an email going out that says, Hey, how do you like it? If you don't just shoot us an email, we'll, we'll make it right. Um, but if you do like it, then leave us a review, right? So we always get reviews from the happy customers. Um, and so we've been able to, um, generate a lot of like five-star ratings on all these review platforms. And that's also perceived quality, right? Cause we want the, the experience to be high quality for the customer. And so, um, so yeah, so that, that all adds up and compounds, um, and I guess, um, continue to just bring in good products. Right. So, um, people, I always say like, we're only good as our last product drop. And so that really keeps us thinking about, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, I guess in like baseball or sports, like if you start performing poorly, like you could just lose your job like really fast. Right. So it's like, yeah. even if you've accomplished a lot in your career, I mean, if you just start doing terribly, then you, no one's, it's going to be really fast down downfall. Right. So for us, it's like, we want to make sure that, that we're tuned in to the market. So if the market is looking for like, for example, smaller knives, then we got to make sure that we, bring in smaller knives instead of going with the bigger ones and, um, and just listening to feedback. Uh, we always send out a survey after each purchase mm -hmm. to, and, and ask them for, uh, you know, how can we make your experience better? And so just listening to them, uh, in that way, I feel like that really goes a long way with, with customers because they, they feel like they're heard. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. A very specific question. So you mentioned your vacuum email flow and, uh, do you keep it short or you rather keep it long when you send this welcome flow to them? Um, our, our welcome series is probably like seven, eight emails right now. Okay. 
And it's the goal for the welcome flow for us is to build trust uh, and then also um, gift them something like a mm-hmm. gift card. Uh, and then we really want them to make that first purchase. So that is kind of the goal of the welcome series. Mm-hmm. And so um, once they make a purchase, then they're actually taken out of that welcome flow and they go into a first purchase flow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we also, we also actually break down our, our post purchase email flow into two. One is um, just bought one, like just equal yeah. like orders equals one is one, I guess, branch of our, of our uh, flow. Mm-hmm. And then the other branch is anything above one. So repeat customers yeah. that are, yeah. So we have those separated out. And um, the second purchase is actually almost just as important, if not more than the first purchase. Because yeah. um, if you get the second purchase, that that really triggers them to keep coming back, like the third, fourth, fifth. And so um, we really have a, a, another, like a robust sequence for people who only purchased once and so um yeah i guess that's that goes back to your 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 other question about um Mm -hmm. how to drive the retention or 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 increase ltv on these customers is really knowing like where they are in the stage of their journey and just optimizing for that yeah i was particularly interested in the welcome flow because i can see most brands they keep it short for the welcome flow like two three emails and uh, many of them, they are not too creative with the initial offer. I mean, they just give a welcome 10 discount. Uh, mm-hmm. Every time I can see welcome 10, welcome 15. Um, but uh, yeah, a gift card or I know other brands, they uh, send a product sample um, or, you know, something creative. And if you keep it long, you have more time to build trust. So I think that's something that uh, everyone could actually implement in their brands. Um, my last question to you today. So uh, actually I have two more questions. So how about Amazon? Because you mentioned it, uh, in the beginning, but, uh, do you, are you on Amazon or, or not really you focus on the Shopify store? So we are not on Amazon and that is because we feel like Amazon, uh, I guess cheapens our brand a little bit because we, mm-hmm. we have a more of an elevated, sophisticated branding and so um we didn't want to be associated with um you know the cheap and and like free shipping and Mm -hmm. you know all that stuff um with amazon that amazon has so i know it's a great channel for for revenue but we wanted to kind of protect the special i guess the nature of like basically we want to tell people that hey you can't find these anywhere else like yeah you can't find these on amazon right so we want to make that a selling point versus using Amazon as a channel for distribution. Yeah, completely makes sense. Yeah. My last question to you. So what would you tell to business owners who are just starting out now and uh, probably, you know, those people who are there where you were like seven years ago, maybe they even bought up a lot of products. (laughs) They have a big stock now and now they have to sell it. So what would you tell them as a tip? So, if you've made the decision to jump into this crazy game called entrepreneurship, um, I think that's a really, I mean, congratulations, because a lot of people can't even make that first step because they're fearful of what others might think of you. And I went through the same thing. You know, I was working at a, a, a crypto blockchain company 
as a software engineer. And then mm -hmm. I went from that to selling pocket knives online. Like that jump is like, people will think I'm crazy, right? So you will have a lot it's of friends. It sounds like against the trend, right? Because oh, uh, yeah. we were a very early guy in that industry back then. And now everyone is crazy about crypto and you just did the opposite. You just transferred to physical e-commerce. Exactly. So I, I, um, I had to get over a lot of that fear myself about what people might think of me. I mean, they're probably talking behind my back like, oh, can you believe he, he quit his like software engineering job to do this? Like, so things like that, right? So you're going to face that and that's okay. Like that's totally normal and part of the process because you're shedding your identity and you're forming a new one. And that takes a lot of time to build in other people's minds. But I mean, now I feel like, like my identity is no longer in that. And so like now it's like, people look at me with this new identity and it's like, it's totally fine, right? So for people who are um, who haven't started, I would definitely say um, at least try to have the mentality of starting because that's a really big, big jumping point for a lot of people. Um, I would definitely also recommend having some kind of um, a safety net in terms of funds so that you can, um, so for me, I, I jumped in it right away. I quit and then I, I, I went in. Um, and so I would, I mean, it, it's definitely challenging to make it a full-time job immediately, uh, but I had some some money saved up and that really helped a lot. And it really like, you know, puts like fire underneath your butt when you're like, oh, I got to make a living from this. Like and you just hustle like crazy, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of um, try to have a little bit of savings um, before you make the jump. And then I would say um, once you decide and you make the jump, then definitely test your ideas and validate them. So just like how I did the, the thing with Amazon and that, that happened because I made the mistake with, with the headphones. But um, you want to validate your ideas first before you spend a lot on something. Uh, and so even for like, let's say you're testing ads, right? Like spend a little bit to see how it goes. And then if that goes well, spend a little more. Like just scale up that way instead of putting so much into uh, one channel so quickly. Um, and so, um, you know, it's always about testing a little bit first and then kind of like see what works and then put more into it. Um, and then the last thing I would say is once you get that going, the consistency and the flywheel of um, just, you know, every week we, we send out an email without, without fail. And so even like holidays, like, like if it's a Christmas day, like we'll send out an email, like every Wednesday we send out an email. Mm -hmm. And that really is kind of like our, our marching heartbeat of like, you know, we, we never fail on that. And that has kept us accountable. That keeps the entire team accountable. Um, and that keeps the brand fresh in your customer's mind so they don't forget about you. It's so important. So consistency uh, and then listening to feedback from from those emails, like get people to respond back to you, tell them what you liked, what you didn't like. So all of that combined. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And uh, if you, you know, if someone uh, wants to quit their job, you would recommend that they should have some savings, right? Or, or if they don't have, they should move maybe a bit slower. I mean, don't burn all the, all the bridges and uh, yeah. yeah, you can keep your job or maybe make it part-time and you can grow your business at the same time. So you are definitely on that side. Not, not you know, don't have plan B, burn the bridges <laughs> and, and that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say if you want to get started, um, it's the safer route will be to stay at your job and then, you know, work on it in the evening when you get home. Um, but I will, I will say that 
I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs do this where they get too comfortable with their jobs. And so they mm -hmm. never actually like they'll experiment and they're like, ah, oh, you know, it's not working, whatever they give up. But like, yeah. you got to really put it in for like, like five years minimum to see any results, right? Put, put some effort in, right? So it's not like you try for a year and oh, it's not working. And then you give up like, no, like you got to keep going like at least, you know, three, five years. And so, um, for me, I just felt like quitting and then doing this was like, it was just like a, you know, it's like a, a push. push, a catalyst, right? Yeah. And so if you're doing the side hustle thing, uh, you, you just, it's fine. I'd say that's a safer way to go, but uh, just don't give up on it after one or two years because mm -hmm. you will not see results, like guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, those are great final words for today. and. Uh... Thanks a lot for sharing your story and your brand story. So if anyone wants to buy a knife, a pen or, or you know, a similar product, then go to urbanedc.com, check out the products and you can uh, find this brand on the main social media platform as well. We will put the links into the description so anyone can find the brand and the products. And also I will put another link into the description. That's a 50-point uh, email marketing checklist and the listeners can go there and download it for free. You can audit your own email marketing. And finally, stay tuned because every week we come out with a new episode with a new e-commerce business owner story. So thanks a lot, uh, Yong Su, and uh, thanks a lot, everyone. Uh, stay tuned. Thanks so much for having me, Daniel. Uh, it's an awesome conversation. <laughs>